Hello, and welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast. My name is David Vanderveen. I've been fortunate enough to build businesses around the world with thousands of entrepreneurs. You can find out more about me at davidvanderveen.com. But, you know, as I've traveled the world and, and had these opportunities to meet and work and, and alongside a lot of very interesting people, the question that I keep getting is, how can I create the life that I want? How can I create the brand, the behaviors, the, the culture that motivate and drive me? And so this podcast is dedicated to those questions. It's interviewing other people who are on that journey, as well as telling some of my own stories that I hope will help anyone who's wanted to start their own company, create their own brand, build their own life, figure out how to do it for themselves. The simple answer is there are no simple answers, but I think that if we work together and if we interact and if we workshop, we can figure out great ways to move forward in life and create a life worth living, a life with purpose and meaning, a life that makes us all a little bit more kick aspirational. Welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Today we have, and Diego, I, I, uh, I apologize in advance if I don't get your name exactly correct in English. Diego Paterno Castello, is it, it's Italian, correct? So it's Castello di San Giuliano? You got it exactly right. <laughs> not, not sure it's exactly right. <laughs> not even all the Italians do it, get it so well, so correctly. <laughs> you know, I, I have a problem because I was, raised sort of lived the most of my life in California speaking our Mexican version of Spanish. And uh, when you're trying to use Spanish and Italian, the pronunciation is different. So I'm trying to get the pronunciation <laughs> right. But you have a beautiful last name. Um, and uh, and you're obviously part of the Ferragamo family. You're on the board of Ferragamo business. And um, we, we were lucky enough to have lunch together uh, about a week ago in Florence. And we had yes. such an amazing conversation was was a huge pleasure uh, for me for me as well it was uh i mean one i you know I, I i i wanted to have this conversation primarily around this amazing book and um and film that you helped that you led the creation of called Sor salvatore shoemaker of dreams uh you did this with luca and boy i'm gonna really butcher luca's last name what a Nino, very famous director, um, yes. has done some amazing, amazing work. Uh, just had a really good movie this last year with Timothy, um, what's it called? Uh, Chamelet, Timothy uh, Chamelet. Chamelet, yeah, just, but I mean, incredible. So I'd love, maybe what we could do is start a little bit just talking about um, that film that 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 you helped lead and the why why it was made um why you led the project and how you got luca and then talk a little, little bit about it and and more importantly kind of your family story because it's really profound thank you no it's a it's a pleasure because uh you know for us this story means uh, so much for us uh also because it's a it's 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 first of all a family story before then uh, of course a business story sure. so you know all the my, my grandfather Salvatore, you know, he died in 60, 1960. I was uh, I was born in seventy, so I never met him, and he's always been s s sort of uh, this very um, uh, this very strong fig uh, personality that yeah. has been, you know, my mother has always talked about how how he was. Uh, he was, you know, all all his uh, the features of his character, his personality has always been in in our mind. And uh, the same as well, you know, uh, in our mind and in, in the mind of, 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 of all the family, 
uh, has always been um, this idea to somehow share with the with the big public to share with everybody uh, this amazing story. Uh, but on the same side, it's it, it we never so we we we've discussed many times about making we should make a movie we should make uh, this and that we should somehow tell it to to the big public but it has always been difficult to somehow make the big step especially for a fiction because uh, uh, you know it was not easy especially for for, for a, a child i mean a, a son or a daughter to um the to imagine an actor taking the the, the, the role of, of your father that is not longer there that has been so important for you I mean psychologically it's very difficult so I think we we never really took the courage courage to 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 go in that direction but then one day uh, Guadagnino Luca and uh, uh, also um, the, the producer um, Francesco Melzi who is a friend of mine yes uh, I, I knew Luca from before they they were you know they were telling me one evening you know that this story is such a great story really you should do something about it and i really felt in in them in both of them uh they they often work together um and in luca this sort of uh, enlightenment and this uh fascination of uh from the story and so this idea of, of the document to, to do a documentary which is you know somehow easier than do a fiction came came in in, in our mind and, um, and and since luca was um, you know was showing this great interest in in, in an italian story in a, sure. in a family story he's from the south as well he's sicilian sicilian and, yeah i saw that on his on his bio yeah. i'm i'm half sicilian as well and and so you know we 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 had this uh, this uh, the, this common idea and we decided to to go and and the family also I mean, my aunt my, my aunts my uncles were also very keen on the idea of having a documentary rather than a fiction, and uh, and that was by by all means was something that uh, really w was needed to be done, and and so we started. It's amazing. I mean, I, I've I've I think I told you, you know, I happened to see the movie on my Delta flight flying yes, over yes. to Europe, and I knew that we were going to be in Florence and that there, you know there might be some interaction with the with your family. And so I thought, well, I've, I've got to watch this documentary. And then I started watching it and I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, it, because my feel, you know, my grandmother, I think I told you this, my grandmother's name was Florence. She would travel quite a bit. And when she was in Italy and Florence, she would always buy a new pair of Ferragamos. Yes, yes. And, and typically the Ferragamos she would buy were the Varas, which are the ones that your mother created, correct? Yes, exactly. Um, which I'm sort of discovering all of this now, which is kind of fun. Um, and not that they're, you know, my grandmother was a very elegant lady and, and she liked nice things, obviously. But, you know, it was it was amazing to watch the story unfold and to, to discover, because I always thought, well, Ferragamo's an Italian company, which it is. But I didn't realize that Salvatore really, the story of, of your of your grandfather is really an American story as well. Um Absolutely. Can you can you tell us we were talking about this at lunch and it just you know it was a different time and people you know behave very differently back then but we were we were talking about the age that your grandfather you know where first left bonito where he was born in southern italy near not too far from naples he's tell us a little bit about that background i mean he started learning to make shoes i think in bonito yes 
your great aunts needed some shoes for their for their confirmation didn't have any can you can you tell us about that and kind of at what ages he was doing this and at what ages he made some of these migrations first to Naples and then over to the United States so um he was he was uh the, the 11th child of uh, a family of 14 children Wow. And uh, and and he when he was uh, seven eight he, he had not even met the the, the first brothers because they had uh, emigrated migrated they had migrated to to the United States so right. he knew he had brothers but he didn't even know them and um, everything was all um, you know the family was considerably poor I mean not. Uh, I mean, they were able to sustain. The yeah, they were they, had, they were farmers, right? They had like all, they were farmers. They yeah, had yeah. a little thing, but of course, you know, uh, to sustain fourteen children, uh, <laughs> I mean, was 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 a, a very humble family, let's say. Yeah, yeah. And um, and he, uh, when he was six, approximately six seven, uh, when the mother was taking care of the other ch <laughs> children, they, <laughs> after school he was going to to see to play at the at the little shoemaker uh, cobbler of the village called uh, Luigi Festa <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and Luigi Festa and, and and then I think in, I imagine from what you read in the in, in the book I mean I can imagine him getting totally fascinated and falling completely in love with the hands with the leather with the materials with the shoe I mean with this thing that by magic from a piece of leather a piece of wood a piece of uh, a hammer etc then a piece to a shoe emerges yeah. after yeah. a few hours or a few days right. so he, he was totally um he felt totally in love and he he wanted to he was going there all the time that he could as a child and then he he asked his his family when he was probably seven you know i want to be a cobbler i want to be make shoes in my life and, and and the cobbler was a very very humble um uh, it's a humble job. profession yeah yeah so my, my my his parents said no 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 way i mean you need to become a doctor you need to become a lawyer and you know sort of the usual stuff right and uh, but he kept on going uh to Luigi Festa and one day when the, was the first communion of of um, of uh of her sister the two sisters i think and the family didn't have the money to buy the new shoes and this was sort of a very you know you dress up for this yeah yeah you dress up for this but they, they couldn't they could, could afford for the dress but not for the for the shoes and he had learned a little bit you know by uh, staying always at uh, the Luigi Festa bottega so he and and he took some uh, leftovers from the bottega he took uh, the hammer the, the, all the tools that he needed and during the night he he made this um these shoes for 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 the two for the two and he was was uh making noise at four running away <laughs> The father comes out and sees uh, the, 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 the child that, that was making the shoes, said, go to bed. But I mean, he managed to finish it. And the, the, the day after, the, the two sisters found the white shoes uh, wow. in a, at the bottom of the bed. They, and everybody was happy. And, and with that, he was able to convince the parents to continue to go and, and, and learn uh, the, um, how to make shoes by Luigi Festa for I think, I don't know, another year or two or whatever during the studies. But then he understood that uh, uh, he had learned everything he, he could learn from Luigi Festa, which was a very, you know, small. And so he, 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 uh, he decided he was, I think, 10, 10, 10 years old, 9, 10. <laughs> he went to Naples and going to Naples from, from, <laughs> as, from Bonito, as, yeah. 
from Bonito, I mean, it, it was like going uh, to New York today. I mean, it, it was, comp- I mean, like a huge journey. Yeah. And he, he stayed in Naples uh, for uh, six months, nine months, something like that, um, working for a for a for a little shoe uh, shop that was producing shoes. And uh, and really, there he he was totally alone with other little boys. As, but I mean, as a ten year old. As a ten-year-old, he, he moves to Naples. Yes, I might be in Naples. I might be mistaken by one year. I don't know less or more. I don't know. Between <laughs> nine and eleven, right. and um, he really in the, in the book he, he writes that he was really really starving in the, those days. I mean, he had really been has been working like uh, like a dog, and and especially there was no there was no money, very little money, and he was really literally starving. And, uh, but he, you know, he managed to go on and then he said, you know, once I have learned everything I, I, I could learn there, I went back to, to, to my, my village, my Bonito. And, I, and he asked his uh, uncle, who was a priest, to have uh, uh, a little loan uh, to set up a, a small shop. So when he went back to the, to the village, and I think by then he was uh, 11, 12, he opened the shop. He opened the shop and he decided you know, to open it in front, very close to you know, where, where the church. So on the Sunday, when, when all the people, the families were, were um, the ladies were coming out of mass of church, they would go and buy and buy the shoes. So this was the beginning. And he was in Naval when he was 12, 13. He was 12, I think. He was employing four people, of which probably two were 18. And it's other amazing. two were children smaller than him that were, you know, doing just the, the cleaning and doing that stuff. But he was having already a little company of four employees, four or five employees. I mean, I found this when you are 12. It's amazing. This is just incredible. This is just incredible. It's it's almost and like the, it was in his DNA, right? Like he couldn't not do this, it seemed like, right? Yes. Yes. He says He says something something very interesting in in his book um he said you know it's uh, that reminds a bit uh, of, of plato you know plato it's all about um uh, the, the, no uh, getting to know things is, is a process of uh, remembering because you right. already have this thing embedded in your mind you just have to to take out uh, some past and, and and just discover what you already have in in, in mind and, and and he said just you know i i have the feeling that I've always been a cobbler. I've always known how to make shoes. I'm just now uh, remembering. I'm just trying to uh, take out the clouds and 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 and, and uh, get back what what has always been mine. I mean, what has always it's it's already inside me. You know, I'm not learning something from outside. I, I'm just discovering something inside me. I mean, and it, I found that very, very interesting. It, it, I think so as well. I mean, it, it's. To, to discover that and know that at such a young age, of course, it was a different time. And, I, you know, the structures that we have today for children were very different. But to have that determination, to be able to say to his own parents, no, this is what I'm doing. And to go do it because it almost it's almost like he couldn't not do it was just amazing. Um, and that led to so he had the shop in Benito. By the way, have you been to Benito? Do you travel there? Have you, yes, you yes, saw yes. like a family place there? Yeah, yeah, of course. We went to Bonito. Uh, the, the the house of Salvatore was no longer uh, uh, not there uh, anymore. Yeah. Long ago. 
his family. No, no, it was there, it was okay. there, but it was not belong to his family. But the, the house of my grandmother was there ah. and, uh, and it was part of the family, it was a family house still of the parents of my grandmother. So we, uh, this was uh, 26 years old, uh, 26 years ago, the whole family, all the cousins, we went with, the, we rented a big bus and we went to Bonito. Wonderful. And, uh, and and, uh, and you know, so spend some time with uh, with our relatives and then look at the house of my grandmother, look at the village. It was a big coming back. And your, your grandmother Wanda, um, who later married your grandfather Salvatore, she was the daughter of the mayor of Bonito. Is that right? Yes, she was the daughter of the mayor of Bonito and the doctor of the little village. That oh. uh, was uh, so. So Wanda was coming from a a more um uh, in a, not, not affluent but i mean was it more, more middle class upper middle class yeah middle class yes uh, uh from the burghese of the little village and uh and uh she always she was she's always been telling us a lot about her father was a really strong man uh, with strong values and that had taught a lot to her and uh she admired him very much and uh, yes yeah, I mean, she 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 was from there and, and salvatore but this is i mean later in the story uh, went salvatore decided to go to bonito to find uh her her woman it, it's uh, you know it's a, at a certain point he said you know i've done everything i've created my company i'm now 40 years old i am a successful man uh i have everything but i don't have a family so i want to find a woman a wife yeah. What did he do? He he went to his uh, <laughs> home village. He, he, he went, was with his mother, right? They went back to the to the hometown. Is that his, my doing that his right? mother yeah. and, and, and his sister? Yeah. yeah, they went back to see to visit uh, the the, uh, the mayor, who was a friend, and uh, and that is where he he met uh, Vanda in a very amazing. We'll, we'll come we'll come back to Vanda because I think it's a, yeah, yeah. a much bigger story. Um, but going back to, so he's, he's gone to Naples, he started his company. And then at some point he decides he needs to go, he needs to go see his brothers or work with his brothers in the, in the U S is that right? What was the kind of the transition that got him from his own shop in Benito to making the leap across the Atlantic to, to, to connect with his brothers over there? So, uh, by, by that time he, he was uh, very happy when he was, was uh, 13, 14, yeah, in those years when he had this shop, because the shop became more and more successful. So all the village was buying, uh, all, the, all the ladies of the village were buying shoes from him. And uh, and uh, he put out of, of business, probably Luigi Festa, poor thing. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, and he didn't really have, uh, I mean, in those days, uh, he, he was happy. He was completely, you know, realized i mean he was a little boy of 13 years old he was um, gaining money for him and his family business yeah yeah and and he was saying you know my my my, my friends play all, all day and i cannot play but i i play to work right he was saying i i play at working uh, so for him it was a joy then his older brother from the States comes to visit and, and, and he met him probably there the first time mm. and uh, who, who was telling him, you know, but you should come to, 
California. The United States, the North America is such an incredible um, land of opportunities, etc., etc. And at the beginning, he was a bit, no, but why do I have to move? I, I have my family here. I'm, gay, I'm doing good money. But slowly, this thing was was uh, starting to grow in his mind. And yeah. uh, after a few months, he he got convinced and he decided to leave. And this was in 2015, in, uh, sorry, 1915, just before the war uh, started um, in Italy. Right. Just prior to World War One. World War One, um, yes. Yeah, yeah. because in, in Italy, World War One started later. We entered the, the war later. So when he when he left for the States, uh, the, uh, we didn't we had not joined the, the war yet. Right. And uh, and then that is when when he decided to go and uh, he went. Uh, he was then he was 16, I believe, 16 or 17, between 16 and 17 years old. And uh, the journey itself was was a, was a nice story. Uh, he he arrived. Then he arrives in uh, in in New York, and uh, he describes like having a receiving a huge energy by seeing this incredible new world. And and you know by then you didn't have really many pictures. You didn't have many. You didn't know anything about about. Uh, and when he left, he knew that he wouldn't talk to his family for another who knows maybe right. other ten years because right. you know they, he they could write of course, but they could there was no telephone. There was. So it was really like going to the moon or something. Yeah, 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 going to the moon. Absolutely. Oh, no. But when he arrives, he he was supposed to meet with his brother. His family, the, the, the brother had not seen him, so they don't recognize him, and and they they don't find him, and so they because he was very elegant because he he was he had a, a beautiful coat because he had a sense of elegance. Yeah, and he was really very proud. But at the end, then he goes. They find each other, and the brother showed him this factory, big factory of uh, of shoes, uh, because he said, you know, man, we, in America we have this amazing. We make shoes by, by with the machines, mass and, production, much faster, yeah. mass production. You can much more. You can make many much more money. So he went to visit this uh, this um, this factory, and he was literally horrified mm -hmm. because he said, you know, he saw this. Uh, the shoes were making, I mean, in a totally different way. Quality was not an issue. And, you know, the, the, he already had developed a, a, a philosophy of, of craftsmanship and and, uh, and attention to materials, to quality that were, were not really, were, were totally uh, not respected in the, in the... And so he said to his older brother, said, you know, thank you, but this is not what I'm looking for. And also that shows somehow the strength of, of his vision, the, the of his uh, you know values, because you are seventeen, just arrived in the United States, you go in a right. huge factory, and you say no, thanks, this I'm not interested in this. Uh, I'm gonna find and I'm gonna try to make uh, home uh, handmade shoes by myself. I mean, it takes. That's quite a lot. And, and was that in New York or was that over in Santa Barbara? This was in New York. In New York. In Boston. Uh, in Boston. I think. In yeah, Boston. That's yeah, right. from New York he goes to Boston where his brother is, and uh, and the factory was in Boston. Okay. So, so he 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 had some other uh, brothers in uh, Santa Barbara. So he decided to join them in Santa Barbara, and so he left, uh, made this long trip by train, arrived in Santa Barbara where there was this opportunity to 
uh, work in the in the in the movie industry because the movie industry uh, in those days was, was in Santa Barbara, not yet in Hollywood. But that was and, an. That, by the way, that was a really interesting part of the film. I I didn't know that the movie industry started in Santa Barbara. You know, you West Coast American. I don't think too many people know that. And so this is before Hollywood became Hollywood. It was all happening up in Santa Barbara with what flying flying A or some some of these new these film companies that I don't think exist exactly. anymore. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, that was uh, was really interesting. All that part, and and um, and so he he starts uh, repairing a company for uh, for the shoes of of the set, for the shoes of these um, film companies that were really were growing and 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 they were starting in those days because that all the, the whole industry was really taking place. In those days, and and uh, and so he participated in this growth, and and of course he was making boots and uh, for the cowboys and and uh, and shoes for the set, much way better and more comfortable than anyone before, and uh, and so uh, you know that's how he started to create a name. Then everybody started to ask shoes for themselves, the actors and actresses. Well, I think that's really fascinating. One of the things, the insights there is too, I think that there hadn't been a film industry anywhere, I don't think, at least not in the United States. And, you know, people, some like middle-class people could afford to go to Broadway or go to a play or musical or maybe the symphony, but there was no mass entertainment prior to film, I don't believe. And so there's this convergence of the film industry is just starting everyone's starting to go to theaters to see these silent films, I think at the time. And it is also the time when film stars start to emerge from films where the film companies didn't really want stars because that gave, it shifted the balance of power a bit. But as these players in the, in the films became more and more popular, all of a sudden that became, that became the American royalty, the celebrity that didn't exist before. He sort of, he, he came in right when people, were becoming, you know, making more money, becoming more, more aware of this kind of whole, this whole genre of entertainment. And his shoes were the shoes that they were wearing. And they noticed a tremendous difference, right? Like, I, I think one of the, um, one of the the people that's interviewed in the film, who's a, who's in, in the fashion industry, is holding up a, 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 basically it's a set, it's a prop, it's a, it's a costume piece. It's a shoe with, I think used in one of the Egyptian movies that yes. has this curly toe. It's a beautiful shoe. And she said, it's not just a beautiful shoe. It's a comfortable shoe. She said, I think this is my size. And she almost wants to keep it. Yes. But this yes. is yes. right. This is part of the whole mystique in order that you've got all these major, you know, Betty Davis, who has a house across from us in Laguna or had a house across from us in Laguna Beach. You've got Betty Davis. You've got Judy Garland, the, 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 the platform shoe that he designed for Judy Garland that has the yes, rainbow yes, yes, heel yes. is like an icon in, in shoemaking. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. Like some of the, you know, there's a lot of amazing stories about these famous people who started coming to him looking, looking for shoes and how that evolved. Yes. Uh, I think this is a very, very um, uh, important. Um, it's a crucial aspect of his uh, career and of his yeah. uh, creations because he started, I mean, of course, he, so, I mean, basically the, 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 these actor, actors and actresses um, appreci- started appreciating the shoes, so they, they, they became really super loyal friends, uh, customers, 
but also became friends with him. Some of them were like uh, Rodolfo Valentino. <clears throat> they were they were really friends. I mean, he was showing up in the morning, waking, getting him uh, off the, I mean, down down the bed, and uh, let's go and have a swim at the sea or uh, partying. And they, they were they, he became he became friend with them. And um, but the beauty of this uh, of what he was doing is that he started. Uh, it, it was sort of a mutual um, relationship because he was, of course, creating amazing shoes, but he was inspired by 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 the actresses, uh, her, uh, by her customers, because having such glamorous customers allowed allowed him to create incredible shoes. Because sometimes right. you know you have to create shoes for the general public. You know, they need to fit certain standards. You know, not everybody is, is so, uh, so so glamorous. Yeah, yeah. You've got to make things that can show up on a red carpet, not just at, at work, right? Yeah. And he developed the reason why he he also he loved making uh, handmade shoes. I mean, custom made shoes is because she was making the shoes for that person. I mean, he he, he was. Um, no, learning to know that personality, what, how the, the, the person was thinking, was behaving, what was her character, how from the feed he was learning a lot about. Uh, and in fact, in the book, he, he talks a lot about uh, uh, how much he could learn from touching the feet. So it's, mm. it's really about the personality, about the person. So he he needed to to meet the person and and and, and to, to get to know the, the the person in order to create something for her. It's like. It's like someone that makes a portrait. So in order to make it, to paint a portrait of a, of a person, you need to know that person. You need to somehow look into the soul. He was doing the same thing. He was, uh, and I think this contributed a lot to the beauty of what he created because this enabled him to to really create with no limits. This this also so 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 it was not only important because these people were famous. And so he became, I mean, he he leveraged on that. I mean, this helped him a lot to become also a famous shoemaker, but also because of this reason, I think. No, I, I think that's a huge point. There's, you know, we talk about lifestyle branding today or, you know, branding around sort of an, an ethos. And in a lot of ways, Ferragamo was the origin of that because, you know, he's not just making a shoe. He's not just making a piece of art. He's literally crafting that shoe to the person, to these celebrities who have their own sort of brand, and he's marrying that brand that he's creating with theirs in a way. Um, even though the Ferragamo brand wasn't a brand per se yet, it was he was Ferragamo. He was the, you know, I think that relationship was was very obvious. And and when there's some famous photos where he's standing with like tables of these models of these celebrities' feet that have their names on them. Um, Maybe we could talk a little bit about it wasn't just the art and the design of the shoe, but he was really dedicated to making these shoes incredibly comfortable and and functional for their feet as well. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, he's he's hand shaping them, but he's also from Santa Barbara to USC, where he started traveling to learn about the 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 the, you know, the the physicality of the foot, the the um, The anatomy, the anatomy. anatomy. Yeah. Tell us about I mean. He's driving 100 yes. miles in the 1920s to learn about the anatomy of the feet. I mean, tell us yes. about that a little bit. Yeah, while he was working, uh, <laughs> while he was working more than 12 hours a day, uh, he yes, he when he went when he arrived to the states, he was able to make um, 
very good shoes, very beautiful shoes with the high quality, but still he had not uh, discovered the secret of the perfect shoe, what he calls, what he calls the secret of a perfect shoe. And he was somehow obsessed uh, by, I mean, frustrated by the, the, this idea that ladies, in order to be beautiful, they have to have a compromise and, 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 and suffer a little bit uh, by, in, in, by wearing the shoes because, uh, you know, you could not have beautiful shoes, but also comfortable. And, and he would not accept this principle. He said, no, this cannot be possible. I need to find a way to make beautiful shoes, which, I, which I'm capable of doing because I have plenty of ideas. There's no limit to my creativity and, 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 and fantasy. But uh, I, 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 why the poor customer has to suffer? There's no way because that, that, that's you miss the whole point. I mean, the, the shoe means wearing a, shoe, a beautiful shoe is also uh, you, you need to feel better. You need to. Uh, it's not only an exterior thing; it's an interior thing as well. So he he got fixated with this, and and uh, so he dedicated the first um, the first probably. A couple of years uh, in researching, studying anatomy. So he was going to lessons, so, so 100 miles away from his uh, work, and uh, understanding, trying to understand how the anatomy of the foot uh, works. And, and these lessons of the university, uh, that his teacher was asking, but Salvatore, why are you, you're always asking about the feet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why do you always ask about the, You're not interested in other parts of the body. Uh, <laughs> He's like, I'm just here for the shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here for the shoes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so what he finds out, basically, is that, and we, we made a whole exhibition on this principle, he discovers that the, the weight of the person, of the body, falls exactly uh, on the arch of the foot. Right. No, and, and so, I mean, in line is here. That's why with the, with the you know how you say piombo with the string with a with a lead lead string, right. he sees that it falls exactly here and the and the, the plumb line oh, I think we say in, in English yeah yeah are you plumb plumb line it's a strange word it, it means that that weight with the plumb string line. that yeah exactly so the the. Um, the, the back of the of the feet and the and the and the toes should not bear the weight of the body the body the weight of the body should be bared by the arch and that's why it's an arch because uh, you know like in architecture the arch bears all all, all the all the way of, of the weight of um, of the structure above it so based on this principle on, on this intuition he constructs the shoes uh, accordingly so he he introduces Il cambrione, which is a piece of metal inside the sole that that makes the arch of the shoe stronger, so that the weight of the body can can really press on that, freeing completely the toes, and 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 making the shoe distributing the weight much more evenly on on, on the surface of the foot, and uh, and making the shoes extremely more more comfortable. From there, this is what he says. You know, on this principle. I am going to build the success of my company, and and uh, and and from then on, he 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 will always, you know, consider that his his like his priority, his uh, his uh, critical success factor, and he starts he starts also to 
so, uh, to heal different problem of, of ladies that are due to uncomfortable shoes. Right. So ladies often go there also for not only, to, I mean, of course, to, to have amazing, beautiful shoes, but also to 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 have uh, to, somehow they have headache because of the, the uncomfortable. And they, they, I mean, he tells this incredible stories about her, his customers. No, he does, and I, I think the uh, that that combination, you know, the science and the art that builds eventually come, you know, becomes the brand is just differentiating in so many ways. I'm sure a lot of a lot of brands have borrowed from him heavily and from your family heavily over the years. But that's also one of the great uh, great compliments when somebody you do something so well, everybody starts copying you in a way. It's uh, it's, yes. it's an incredible part of the story. In fact, he was he was saying. You shouldn't worry when people copy you. You should worry when people stop copying you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a that's a great that's a great one. Um, so obviously the film industry moves to Hollywood. He moves to Hollywood as well. What um, and he started uh, was it called Hollywood Boots? Was his brand in in Hollywood? Hollywood Boot Shop. Hollywood Boot Shop. Yeah. And what? Yeah. So he he's there. That becomes a very successful business for him. He re, kind of recreated this idea of an Italian. Palazzo shop concept. Um, all the celebrities show up for it, and it becomes very famous and popular. Um, what what sort of brought him back to Italy to refound, you know, to create a new company from Hollywood and all the success he was having, and all of his glamorous friends? What what brought him back to Italy after all of that success? And and what year was that? By the way, he had been in in the U.S. for quite some time by the time he finally goes back. Ten years. 10 years. No, sorry, 12 years, 12 years, from 12 years. Two, uh, 1915 to 1927. Okay. So the, the, the reason why, why he goes back to Italy, first of all, he, he, he doesn't, his move is not to go back to Italy and leave the United States. His move is, I want to go to Italy to create the production there for mm -hmm. my market in America. Right. So he he was not leaving the United States. He was just going and uh, uh, establish, yeah. establish a production facility uh, in in uh, in Italy because his his uh, his volume was uh, increasing. He was selling many more shoes, and at that point, he said, "You know, I'm not going to be able to find uh, the, the the workers, the the, the you know the people who, that can make all these shoes here in America. I need to go back to Italy, where there is a strong tradition of uh, craftsmanship, and, um, and 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 there I can find the workforce that has the the, the capabilities to make the shoes as I want. So th that's the main reason why he goes to Italy, and uh, and when he goes to Italy, he travels all all the country. He he cannot really find someone that makes a shoe, he, he, the, the cobblers that would um, make shoes as according to his principles were, were not existing. Right. So he decided, he said, because he, he hoped, he was hoping at the beginning to, to find someone that was able to, Just but then up, he yeah. said, you know, I, I need to, I need to form my, my workers. I need to teach them how to, to do, to do it my way. So the best place in, in Italy where I can find uh, this sort of uh, is Florence, right? Also for for the incredible uh, Renaissance uh, heritage, for the art artistic, uh, you know, uh, artistic uh, glamorous past, 
and uh, and also for the for the for the traditional tradition of craftsmanship. And so he decided to to set up a factory here, but with the idea to go up back and forward with the United States to so keep keeping the, the the company there. And uh, this is how he started. And, um, and and by the way, this is before air travel, so he's having to do this back and forth on ships, and it takes a lot of time. And it's yes. not like email. And, and, oh, and no. this is this is this is a pretty interesting, you know, way to run a business back back in the 1920s, where you don't have easy easy you know easy coordination communication. communication. Yeah. In fact, he uh, basically his mistake, let's say. Uh, it has been that he was relying too much on the American market, mm. and that's how in the in the um, after the, the because he moves to to Italy in the twenty seven, then you know a couple of years, then you have the the, the big crisis of uh, of twenty nine in America, and and that combined with uh, not um, you know some. People in his company, the, the financial guys, were sort of not doing the job they, they should have done and uh, yeah. were supposed to do. So basically, in the early 30s, he uh, faced bankruptcy. Right. Hi, this is Dave Vanderveen, and, and this is a little ad for my one of my favorite brands, for Nirvana Water Sciences, where I happen to be the CEO. But I wanted to share with you why I became the CEO. You know, I, I didn't have to get a new job. I didn't have to come to this company. It was some a company I've been talking to for over a year before I joined them. Uh, I was absolutely enamored with their science, with HMB, uh, beta-hydroxy, beta-metabutyrate, which which amplifies protein synthesis. And, you know, I'm 54. The older I get, the more that matters because as we age, you know, as we get past 30, we start losing 5 to 6% of our muscle mass every year. And, you know, I'm a guy who likes to get out there, get active, have adventure. And I like to, you know, ski powder and, and with helicopters. I like to surf bigger waves. I like to free dive. I, I like to move. I like to run. I like to trail run. Um, I like to hike. And all those things require only muscle mass. So he, he basically... By the way, it's the story of many entrepreneurs. Uh, this is part of, I mean, it's... From an American perspective, we kind of build our whole capital structure around the idea that people will fail eventually. You know, many people will fail. We sort of protect somebody from failure, you know, with our bankruptcy laws, which allows capital to invest a little bit more easily in some ways. But in Italy, I'm guessing that's a little different. Absolutely. Absolutely. In Italy, still today, failing is, you know, this goes along with the level of, uh, uh, the, the the degree of innovative innovation that the country has the, the, sure uh, and we still have a sort of um, now very much less but uh, but in, in those days you know bankruptcy was a stigma i mean you are sort of uh, you become sort of a, a paria yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And so it was a big a big uh, shame and um he was he was completely uh, astonished that he could not. It's very na na naive but interesting what he thinks when when this happens to him. You know, I I cannot. I mean, they they have forbidden me uh, to to do my job. I mean, I the, the only way I can pay my debts is by selling shoes. 
but right. they don't allow me to do that. This is crazy, he says, you know. Yeah. And uh, and of course he's destroyed. And, and uh, but but immediately he finds the strength, and you know he thinks, you know, they they've taken they they've taken away everything from me, all 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 the money, all my assets, all that. But they they could not, they cannot take away from me what's in my head, what I've learned in all these years, so I can start again, all over again, sure. by by zero. So this is what he does. He starts all over again um with a few people few uh suppliers that um that accept not to be paid uh, but to be paid later sure. so he starts again he starts again and he uh, pays back all all, all his debt, debt wow. all the debt and uh and he's back on business uh after i mean he starts uh in a, in a, in a not officially i mean he starts as a privately you know i don't know under a roof in the in the city sure uh, i mean really sleeping i don't know where but i mean in, <laughs> <laughs> wherever he can and, probably right yeah exactly and so he he's he manages to to recreate a volume to start from a few customers local customers as well and he's back on business in the in the, in, in a matter of uh of months or 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 a year and uh and he, he then he's you know he grows the business uh, even more successfully than before uh, but of course then he, he finds many other difficulties because uh the autarkia starts sure and, so Mussolini uh, and all, all Mussolini of that yeah. because he paid Libya so uh, he cannot buy materials from um from outside and uh so he has to do and then there is where all his creativity comes comes uh you handy i mean because he needs to find new is, ways to use yeah this is the where the the cork pump becomes one of the new innovations be, out of necessity right they you, i there's a, a shoe in particular that actually shows like wine corks as a heel or as part of the heel structure exactly. that's just unbelievably interesting i think even more interesting today than maybe it was at, well i'm probably very interesting at the time but you know, as people now are really obsessed with ESG and recycling and, and sustainability, it becomes even more fascinating, I think, for us today to see that sort of innovation. Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, he had it, and and uh, he, for different reasons because he didn't have the materials, not because yeah. he because of it. But I mean, the, he he showed the the capability of of thinking differently and find new solution to find new materials if you um, if some materials are not available like you know the the cambrione that i was saying before was made of steel and yeah. he needed that for to support the arch as, as, I said. as an arch support yeah so by that but it was it was the the the, the only steel was for for the for the army and uh and so was not available for to make shoes so he had he in that occasion he invented the wedge it's amazing. So he, yeah. didn't before. He, he just invented the wedge because he said, okay, let, let's just fill the gap between the heel and the and the and the, and the toes with a cork with a cork uh, structure so that the arch can be supported accordingly. And um and then he you know he started creating he used the uh, candy paper and and and, and fish skin and uh raffia and then you know so many different materials. Yeah, the the fishing line was really incredible the too. The, invis line. the invisible shoe, and yeah, I mean, just so innovative and so impressive. And you know, 
shoes today that are in museums because they're so impressive. My, my wife told me I have never worn a pair of wedges, but she, my wife tells me that those are some of the most comfortable, you know, platform kind of shoes you can wear. Um, so, so at what point does he meet Vonda at this? Is it after this, after the bankruptcy that he meets, meets yes. Vonda and Bonito? Yes. Uh, he meets Vanda, uh, first he, so first he, he buys the building. This is because he meets Vanda in, in, in 30, I would say in 39, uh, because he, yeah, he first, uh, uh buys the, the Palazzo Ferroni after the bankruptcy. So in a very, very, uh, let's say, um, in a difficult way. I mean, in this, in, 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 because the, the owner of the building was letting it to him. And then he, he's, he's instead proposed to buy it. And the owner said, but how can you buy it? I mean, you have no money. You just, you're just out of bankruptcy. They don't know. I'm going to be able to make this money. Don't worry. So th this guy. And by the way, this is just so people listening. I mean, this is the, this is where we had lunch, right? This is the, yes. is it considered a palazzo? It is a palazzo, yeah. Of course. It is a palazzo. I, I thought so. I mean, it's it is not just a building. This is this. I mean, the ceilings are all frescoed. The this was a home of royalty in Florence for many generations. How how old is it? But uh, this is different parts. But I think it it goes it goes uh, way back to the 13th century. Yeah. Uh, so this, is a, uh, <laughs> this is a, an iconic building in Florence in the center. Yeah. I mean, today there's, it's like, there's a, a plaza right in front of it. So, yeah. So, so he's talking to the owner of this magnificent building in Florence about buying it with no money coming out of bankruptcy. Right. Which is, <laughs> which is just the, his, his belief in the possibility far outweighed the reality that he happened to be sitting in at the moment. Correct. I mean, absolutely. You know, absolutely. He has, is so sure about what he's capable of doing about yeah. the, you know the, the, the about his the fact that he makes shoes better than anyone else in the world he's so right. sure, 100% sure about that he knows mm -hmm. how to do it. and he has this vision that you know i i i i need to um receive my customers who are princes prince, uh, prince and princesses and 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 royalties and and uh, actors actors and actors and you know the, the most important people in the world i need to to receive them in a in a proper place so this is the place where uh, that it's right for that and uh, and this will help my business uh, uh, even further so i need to to buy this building uh, no matter what it costs and and um and even if i don't have the money so he he makes this agreement with with the owner and the owner wants to do this agreement in order to somehow to to um, how you say, I mean, to, to, it's, so he self finances, the owner is basically self financing the sale. Be, the owner is allowing him to make payments against purchasing the, the, the building. Yes, yes, yes. He, he, of course, the, 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 to delay the payments, but the owner is completely sure that because the owner didn't want to sell right. the, the owner did this agreement only to get, to get the money from him right. and, and not give him the, the building because he said, you know, there's no way you know, in the world that this guy is gonna is gonna be able to pay this this amount in in this time. Um, so and, and and he writes in the contract that if even if he's one day late of one of the installments, forget it, yeah, he loses all the money and and the building goes back to him. Right. So 
But my, my grandfather, who was a, a good person, a bit naive, was really good hearted guy. Yeah. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't understand this at the beginning, what, what was behind it. So when at the end he comes in the bank and pay the last uh, installment, the owner is, cannot believe what, what he sees and, and is, uh, gets very angry because he's uh, lost I, the building. Yeah. Lost the building. I mean, by, he got money, but, and then there he understood, my, my grandfather understood that he wanted to just get money from him. So he was, um, he felt a bit, uh, you know, he understood that people can be very, very mean. But by then, yeah. he decided, okay, so right after that, he decided that he wanted to have a family. But first, before finding a wife, he he, he bought the villa in the in Fiesole. So he, uh, also there he manages to buy the villa. Uh, and then he says, okay, I need to find a wife and I and I go in my little village and, and look for my wife. <laughs> Simple. Uh, it's a it's, it's a simple but effective <laughs> process, apparently. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but the incredible thing, the really incredible thing, like really in the fairy tales, is that he does find immediately uh, her wife, and this wife turns to be the most amazing woman that would be crucial for the continuation of his company. This is just you know because he could have married in Bonito, you know, any any sure. lady. There. Only one out of a thousand is, is, would be capable of doing what she did. So, I, I think I read an interview with your father where he said that people say about your grandmother that she was one of the few swashbuckling women uh, of her time. I mean, sorry, sorry, people said that that she was a the the. I'm sure it was an interpretation of what he said, but that she was a swashbuckling woman. That she was this strong woman who could take a risk and make things happen. Um, is how I interpret what I what I read, but uh, but tell us more about Vanda. This is this is really interesting. Yes, uh, no, no. She was. I, I think Salvatore immediately. So so like, he what, what happens? He goes to he goes to Bonito with um, his sister and uh, to visit his uh, friend, the the mayor of uh, and doctor of the little village, and so he goes there and uh, rings at the door. And uh, the the mayor, his friend, was not in the house. So uh, my my grandmother um, opens the door by chance. She opens the door and she finds and, and then she and she sees Salvatore. She knew my grandmother knew that Salvatore was coming also because Salvatore was famous in the village. So everybody knew was expecting this famous Salvatore from the United States. He's coming mm -hmm. to visit, back. and and uh, you know all the family knew each other and. Uh, and so my my, my grandmother says um, uh, receives him and and um, and says oh Signor Mr Salvatore I'm so happy to see her and uh, I'm 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 so uh, in admiration for the the great contribution that she is giving to the uh, beauty beauty of women something uh, uh, she she had thought about this sentence before because she she wanted to make impression so sure Salvatore understood immediately that this girl was uh, not only beautiful, but but uh, also, you know, very strong and very- Very smart, smart. yeah, yeah, capable. He turns, he turns to his sister, like she didn't, she had not even entered the, the, the house and said, you know, uh, this this girl in English- He says uh, in English because he doesn't 
Probably people aren't speaking a lot of English. Yeah, yeah. This girl is going to be my wife. <laughs> <laughs> on the spot. He's like, boom, on nailed the spot. it. <laughs> on the spot. And, uh, and then she gets, he gets, they get in, they, 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 they talk. I mean, and then she, I don't know, they have um, some chat. Then she, she finds, he, he, he asked her to, to, he said, may I, can I make some shoes for you? And so she takes off the shoes and then she has a hole in the socket in the socks where she gets all red and embarrassed and all these uh, funny things happen. And, and they, they basically start to, um, uh, to write uh, to each other. And, uh, you know, and of course in those days it was very, uh, you know, you have to write a lot, you have to wait a lot and, you know, yeah. to talk to the father, but the father did not want her to marry Salvatore because there was too much difference in age because Salvatore was 42. Yeah, yeah. When, yeah there were 20, more than 20 years of difference. Sure. And, uh, but at the end, uh, I mean, he managed to convince him. He brings him in Florence. He shows to the father uh, his his business, the villa, the, the palazzo, etc. So he managed to... to He's like, this is going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and how long, I mean, this was the thing that surprised me in the documentary. You know, it's, they get married and they and start a family and have, have a, how many children did they have together? Six children. Six children. But for, how long were they married before Salvatore died? So they got married in, um, in 39. Yeah. Uh, and Salvatore died in uh, 60, 1960. So it was uh, 21 years. 21 years. So, I mean, they, they did have a, f a full marriage and wonderful family, but he died fairly young. At Was he 62 when he died? 62, exactly. And, you know, with six kids and a factory and a business that was really successful, um, Wanda says in the documentary, you know, here it was, it was, I think it was August when he died, the factory was shut down. September, the question was, do we sell the business or do we reopen? And you had some work, some of the loyal workers to your father, to your grandfather came to her and said, we need to continue. How did that, tell us about that, because Wanda wasn't really active, as I understand it, she wasn't really active in the business. And now she's kind of sort of thrust upon her to figure this out. How did, how did that happen? Yes, she would. I mean, that, that's a very, I would say, uh, heroic, epic, heroic moment because, uh, uh, you know, like in the Greek tragedy, uh, the human being is, is, is put in a position that is far larger than his capabilities or what he thinks he can do, you know? Right. right. She, she finds herself uh, as a mother of, as a household, six children uh the, the only one was my mother that that had worked with salvatore for one year only she was 18 years old and the rest were all younger so when the youngest one was uh, two years old massimo so i mean in that position without knowing anything about the, the business and how to make shoes and, and uh, uh you know she was in that typical situation that um that is bigger than 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 your capabilities and that, I mean, by far, by large. And, 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 uh, and so, and, and then overwhelmed by the pain of the loss of this incredible husband that they, you know, they loved each other, uh, immensely. So she really was in a very, very tough position. And, um, 
And the, the, the incredible thing that she does as a mother uh, is that she, this is the beginning of, uh, of August, after the funeral, well, well, well the, the factories, you know, go, go all around her and say, you know, you can count on us, we need to continue. Uh, we are here to help you, you know, we will help you, we, we can make it, etc. Which has been very important because she felt that there was, you know, what support, her husband yeah. had left was was a, a strong structure of of, um, of people that were attached to the company to the and and, and to, the, to the the job she decided to um, leave her children for two weeks so can you imagine i mean the children have just lost their father right. and um a shock and so for two weeks they're going to be stay away from the mother because she understands that she needs to somehow focus yeah. stay alone and 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 um and, and and look inside and 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 try to find the strength to to take this decision to decide what to do and and uh, i mean probably she knew what she had to do but i mean she needed to find the strength and to think about it and and really to 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 stay alone for two weeks and she went up in the hills in a, in a, in a, in an hotel in a, in a resort uh, all by herself for, for this period and she gathered all the strength that uh, enabled her to decide and to you know to commit to this to this uh, uh, to this mission and um so at the at the at the end of the summer at the end of august beginning of september when all the factories opened again she was as strong as ever and 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 fully committed to continue the the company that uh, her husband had, had created and i think i think that what has what, what what's behind this incredible decision i mean what what is it is it of course the strength of a woman but uh more than that i think is this incredible incredible passion of salvatore that Salvatore has been as exactly. There's a whole book about her called Ta, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and so, so I'll, tell you, I'll tell you about the name. Yeah, yeah. Go, go but, ahead. But yeah, I mean, yeah, sorry. Yeah. What, oh. what I think is is that what I think is crucial to understand is that is that the the, the, the reason why Vanda continues and and does makes the definitely most dangerous choice and most i mean very few person in, in her condition in her position would, would have chosen this in those years i mean imagine we're not talking about today when women work no um, it's normal that women work we're talking about the 1960 in italy no women were working or very few women were, were having a role in in a company so this was also culturally very but she takes this decision because she felt on her skin this incredible passion and, and the, all the sacrifice the dedication that, that her husband had done in throughout his whole his whole life against all the difficulties bankruptcy you know the the, the war uh, the, all, all the, the, the 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 you know the autarky and 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 everything i mean he had gone through immense incredible uh, obstacles. yeah and so she said you know i how can i how can I destroy what the dream of husband that he has been uh, just the legacy ahead yeah. so much legacy with so much strength so much passion so much desire so much love I 
That's only, that's my only choice. I, I can only continue. But this is because there was this passion before. So the passion goes beyond the life of 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 of, of the founder of the of the, the person who has that passion because it leaves a legacy to to people who remains. And uh, and this is the only the only thing that I think the major thing that allowed this to happen. Well, and and you know what we so we were together because of a. Uh, Carlisle Forum and you, your family, Nico, your, uh, is he, he's your nephew. Nicolò is my, you know, Nicolò, Nicolò is the, is the, is the grandson of uh, Jerry. Okay. Jerry is the nephew of Salvatore, is the, is the, is the son. Jerry is now, is still alive. Okay. He's 92 years old, 93. Okay. And, um, he's, is the the is the son Jerry is the son of the brother of Salvatore and Jerry has been crucial for for the company because Jerry is the only one who had started working with Salvatore. Got it. 1950. So he had been working with Salvatore for ten years. So he has been a pillar, a crucial pillar, right. to allow this continuation. He, he helped with that transition, and and um, I, I understand. And, and so it w- w- what struck me. When you know, first I met Nicolo in the the Carlisle Forum. Then we came and had lunch with you and and Leonardo at, at your at the Palazzo. You know what struck me was the way that Salvatore's person, his values, his ethos, has been transmitted. And I think Wanda really took that and made sure that it was transmitted. I think you you mentioned that. She made sure the cousins got together. She made sure that there was family bonds, and but it's more than that, right? It was um, there was this there's this heartbeat through the entire family. I feel like that Salvatore's heartbeat that has his values, his belief that you can do it, and maybe Vonda's you know, extension of that. Can you talk about that a little bit? How how that's permeated your family and how it's because you seem incredibly unified, which is for the amount of you know you've obviously created a lot of wealth for your family that's you know been carefully managed you've created it's it's hard to have that many people with a, i'm sure a variety of opinions hang together and work together and i'm sure it's not always perfect but the the way that you present as a family the way that you show up as a family and for multi-generations and not just the immediate family but you know some family extensions can you tell us a little bit about how you how you share those values and how you're able to work together through so many generations yeah, I think it, it 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 goes it goes back to to when we were children, to when my uh, grandmother was was um, was keeping all together, keeping us all together for Christmas, for Easter, for any other the seaside in the summer. You know, uh, that was that was the I think the the, the great bonding that she created. Uh, we were working together when we were 13, 12, we were going to the factory in the summer jobs. You know, I was working with James and, and, and uh, living at their the house in Fiesole, uh, and then going together with his, with Ferruccio, the brother, the father of James, uh, to the factory for two weeks, uh, three weeks during, uh, so already we would, we were brought up as, as, uh, nearly as brothers you know and and, yeah. and so that that you very very close to each other so since then we naturally started to 
to be friends, to have holidays together, to see each other everywhere. You know, it's like having, uh, it's like having very good friends. And then, so you, you, you get to know each other very well. It's, you, you end up being, uh, you know, 30 years old, 25, 30 years old, that you know each other you're very, 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 very close to each other. Yeah. Very close to each other. And, 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 and my grandmother has always, has always been the la chioccia. I mean, which means, you know, the, the, the big mother that holds together everybody, all the part of the family, continuously talking to us, um, calling us. And um, if she had an idea, she had a, a thought about the business, about life, about values, about how you should behave, uh, or, or examples from other people. She was always fascinated by, fascinated by other stories. She would immediately share it with us. Uh, she would, would gather us and tell us all, all all these things. She wanted to share her thoughts and her her experience, and with all of us. So all of, all of this has somehow created um, uh, unity, created a common a common way of uh, of uh, feeling and and of uh, of looking at reality and especially at, at values. I mean, we we, sh we we share the same values because she transmitted these values to us. It's re really profound and it shows and it's unusual. I mean, it's, it's, it, I wish it was more common. Um, I think it's a great example for people who want to build a great family, regardless of the amount of money, just to build a legacy and a family that shares values. I think you've, you've done that in so many special ways. Um, and in a, in a very simple, in a very simple and natural way. I mean, yeah. as, as a, as a family, you know, it yeah. was just a family. It was not, driven by the, the, the business it was was a normal it was probably done uh, with you know with a with a normal with a natural approach it's wonderful you know i think that's, that's it's really wonderful to see um tell me about your mother a little bit fiamma uh worked alongside your father i think before he passed and then she became one of the driving forces of the design I mean, she's won a number of major awards on her own um, and it sounds like she was like your mother, one of the great women of Ferragamo who really helped lead the business. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about her journey with the Ferragamo company and family and, and what that left with you? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my mother was, 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 um, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I can't say she was, uh, a very 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 special person she had um, she was a very bright woman and and um, she had a talent for uh human relationship she was she was a, a really a talent in that i mean she was uh, she was caring for people and she was caring for everybody in the family she was sort of the bond uh, she played as a bond and uh, a glue among everybody and so she had really this this uh this strong uh this strong capability this strong talent she was loved by everybody but uh when she started she was 17 and my my grandfather uh asked her to come and to join him uh in the business and but she was in, uh, in the middle of high school and she she was a bit Mm. <laughs> a lot going on yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was liking school so she was but uh, she didn't want really to leave school but then my grandfather convinced her because she he knew that probably he would not last 
for a long time. So he said, you know, I need to, I need to teach someone uh, how, how, you know, something of the business. Sure. And so she managed to, to work with him for one year. And uh, my grandfather was very much, a, I mean, she was, he, he was delegating uh, sometimes uh, a lot to her because he wanted her to, you know, for she someone that it. started yeah. working at 11 and, and hiring <laughs> at 11, employing five people <laughs> to, uh, my mother at 17 looked uh, already, uh, uh, you know, uh, an old, uh, an old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she looked like an adult already, right? Like, an adult, like exactly. I already moved to America by then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and, but she was very impressed by this. And, and, uh, I remember she was telling it that, you know, once he, he left to Australia, I said, okay, you run the business until I come back. And, and she was left with the power of attorney to, to sign, make the payments and, and, and make decisions, sign contracts. And she was terrified by this, but you know, these are the things that make you, make you grow. And, um, and when my father passed away, um, my grandfather, sorry. Uh, Fiamma, my mother was uh, basically was left with her mother, Wanda, who was the big, uh, I mean, the, the, the president, CEO, and, and, and you know, the, the, who took the, 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 the testimony of, of Salvatore, and Jerry, right. who is the grandfather of Nicolò, who fortunately was the one who was able to make shoes. He, he knew the technical, all the technical aspects, which were so important for the, for the company. So the three of them, plus uh, other employees and other people that were very close to the to the to the family, they started uh, they started um, the business. They started they continued the business. There was this very important order from uh, Saks Fifth Avenue that was left by by Salvatore. This Jerry and my mother were always talking about this, and, and my grandmother about this important order that Salvatore took right. already before he died that they they that helped us to join the to to join the factory works and so they they started with that making shoes and then my mother started to to design shoes i mean she she was put immediately in the in the shoe division and uh, she, from there she started bringing it over and uh, because my grandmother was uh, was not directly involved in the product product and designing Right. And since then, my, my mother expanded the business of Lady Shoes. She introduced handbags and uh, she grew the, the business uh, to the size that... Uh, the global, that, global business that it is today. I mean, it wasn't even making men's shoes back then, correct? It was mainly making women's shoes. Yeah, that shoes. men's shoes that Leonardo started because by that, after my mother, of course, then there was already Giovanna who, uh, now I don't remember, Giovanna was a couple of years younger than my mother, but also she had started uh, working, uh, working uh, having a shop, I think, when, when my grandfather was still alive, while she was studying, probably. I mean, she was already starting to do something with uh, ready-to-wear. And then she joined the company and then starting the line of Salvatore Ferragamo. And then and I remember that Fiamma and Giovanna were going to the... Uh, Sala Bianca of Palazzo Pitti to show the, the collection and wow. when they were like 18. Amazing, amazing. And your your mother won the Saks Fifth Avenue Shoe Awards. She won, I mean, these Neiman big, Marcus. Neiman Marcus yes. Shoe Awards, excuse me. 
Um, yeah. Some of the biggest shoe awards you can win for design. I mean, just really, uh, you know, establish yourself in her own right. And the Vara, which she designed, wasn't that like a huge percentage of the women's shoe business for Ferragamo for a long yes, time? Absolutely. Still, still today. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's still today. Very, it's a logo for us. I mean, it's a, it became a logo. It became a very iconic. Uh, yeah, it's an iconic shoe, of course. Yes. And, and Diego, you know, just to kind of wrap, I know we've been going along and I know you have other things to do today. I really appreciate all the time you've given me. Um, you know, you on your own, you're, you sail boats across, you know, transatlantic. I'm sure you've, have you sailed around the world? Yes. Um, you've done, I mean, you're an adventurer, you, you surf, you've, you free dive, you spearfish. Um, how, how has this affected you? How does this drive you? How does this drive your engagement with Ferragamo as a brand, as a business, as a family? How, how has this, um, how, how does, how, how has it affected you personally in terms of, you know, who you are and, you know, you inherit this amazing legacy, right? Um, that, but then it, I think for, for any of us that come from a family, then you have to take that and make it your own. You have to say, okay, well, that's, that's where I come from, but this is who I am. How does you seem to have a very adventurous lifestyle? Um, you you're obviously very involved in the Ferragamo business as a director. How, how has this affected you? How do you internalize that and and bring it forward? But I think the 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 crucial uh, the essential let's say feel rouge of everything is uh, is passion for things, uh, loving the things you do. So. Uh, I think I've received from both my mother and, and, and my father as well, who was a very passionate uh, gentleman uh, about things. He had many interests. You know, I, I, I received this, uh, this uh, sort of um, ability to love things, things in life. I mean, uh, to be interested and, and, and fall in love with, with things with right. activities, with uh, sports, with the, the job, with, uh, uh, you know, life is amazing. And you, you, if it was not uh, free diving or sailing, I would have fallen in love with uh, something else, with the horse riding or, whatever. Sure. you know, everything is, is beautiful. When you start learning something, then you start develop a passion and and uh, and loving it. And this is true as well with the, with the, with the business and uh, with the history of the family. And so I think, as 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 a feel rouge of everything is what what I've received uh, both in the genes but also in the in the uh, teaching of, from my from my family is is um, is to love what you do and and do what you love. <laughs> and this is what Sabatore was was telling us. Beautiful, my no, beautifully said, and and, and you you exhibit it, I think, in it, in some amazing ways, and. Uh, it's what inspired me to ask you if you would make time to have this be on this podcast because uh, you just demonstrated so so well um, as a family, as an individual, and and in this film, uh, Salvatore, shoemaker of dreams by Luca Luca Guadagnino. It's a uh, it's fantastic book. It's a great it's a great story. Everyone that I've recommended it to, um, I've I've been posting about it. Uh, People are loving the film. Uh, really fantastic job. You guys executed it very well. Maybe there'll be a live action that'll come out of it one day. It's such a great story. <laughs> but uh, and I think the way it's continued on past that the 
story that's in the book and in the documentary is maybe even more inspiring. It's uh, it's just great to see the way you've you've pulled it all together as a family. Um, I have one last question. This Thank is a question. Really it's a question I ask everyone. Uh, have you learned more from success or failure in your life? Um, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I think from from failure, but. It's, it's difficult to say. I think you need both. Um, of course, yeah. From failure, you learn. You learn. Uh, I think more. Uh, uh, you learn the, the, um, uh, the somehow uh, things that you should do or you should not do. I mean, you you, you learn concrete things from success or from let's say more than success. I would call it um from from um over from i mean uh how you say uh, there is when you um, when you pass some critical point in your life i mean some um some some difficult point when you when you when you overcome some you're able to go through uh difficult moments, difficult challenges, and you and you look behind and you said, okay, at the end, even if I, at the beginning, when I saw this, I said, I'm not gonna be able to face it. But instead, one way or another, I I, I, I survived it. Yeah. Then you don't really learn, yeah, you learn also something, but most you understand that 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 somehow we have some strengths somewhere that uh, enable, enable you to go beyond uh some some obstacles that you apparently think are uh, not not winnable then you cannot win them so i think you learn confidence from from successes let's say from from uh, the, from these parts and from mistakes and from failure you learn technically things you learn you learn from mistakes for sure a lot that's maybe the best answer i've had to that question i, I think everyone has said more or less look i learned more from failure that's where we have the big deep learnings but I think to your point, we also don't want to get stuck in failure. We want to we want to win. We want to succeed, and and we want to have the confidence to learn how to overcome those failures. I think that's a beautifully said. Thank you very very much. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, David. It's been really a pleasure. No, thank you for for making the film, for joining the podcast, and for being so transparent. Um, really appreciate your time today, and and for being available. Me too. Thank you for joining another episode of the Kick Aspirational Podcast. You know, the most important thing to remember is this is not a spectator sport. What I'm deeply interested in is hearing about your stories and answering your questions. What does your life look like? What are you trying to accomplish? What are the barriers that you're trying to break through? Because at the end of the day, the Kick Aspirational Podcast is about helping people break through barriers of their own. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'd love to join you in your battles. And most importantly, whatever you do today, please, among all other things, be Kick aspirational.